Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back to See Also, I'm Kate Jinx. I'm Brody Lancaster. Jinxie, how are you? I'm okay, BL. I'm okay. Yeah. What about you? I'm good. I think I'm the absence of bad stuff today. I'm not sick. I'm not too stressed or overwhelmed yet. Great. It's a rare feeling. I'm glad I'm like mind doing mindfulness. <laughs> I'm not actually. BL, I'm loving this for you. <laughs> uh, especially after, you know, to the the lengthy sickness. Yeah, I've been in the wars, as my grandpa, R.O.P., would have said, mm-hmm. um, who was, ironically, in wars. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I'd say um, you've been having a rough trot. I have been having a rough trot, but I'm like, I'm fine now. I'm not the... We did a lot of complaining on the podcast last <laughs> I know, week. so we should be all like sweetness yeah. and light. Nah, I'm not into <laughs> that, but I'm just not um, not down on my luck this week. Great. Well, t- please tell me about your luck then this week. Oh my God. Well, I finally, not being sick, went to the movies for the first time in like a month, Fab. maybe more, went to finally see Scream 6, Scream VI. Okay. And you were... Glad to be back in the Scream universe. Yeah. This is like Neb's not in it, right? We Yeah, we're not in Woodsboro anymore, baby. Oh. The only other Scream movie that I actually, now I'm saying this, there have been several that haven't taken place in Woodsboro because Scream 2 was in college and that's what this oh, is yeah. kind of like the, I hate the word, requel of Scream Oof. 2. And then Scream 3, famously, mm. Scream goes to Hollywood. I mean, we have discussed this in a Scream 123 Poodle. Yeah. Uh, shout out to us. But Scream 6, I didn't hate. And I really? hated 4 and 5. Uh, you really hated 5. Yeah. I remember that yeah. was a particular doozy. Yeah. Scream 6 had more to offer me. It still is doing the thing that I don't love. That's like Scream movies now are just about people who love the Scream movies. Mm. Um, Jasmine Savoy Brown, who plays tie in yellow jackets um is back this time <sighs> and she's supposed to be the That's daughter who she is yeah and she also plays like kind of the same character but in the future and likes movies more in okay. scream uh in one scene she's wearing a shirt that says strong femme lead okay and in another she's wearing a shirt that says lavender menace Wow. And she has a jacket covered in patches and she's always lecturing people about the mood. Like, so she's Randy, um, Jamie Kennedy's niece, R.I.P. Jamie Kennedy. Okay. And Heather Matarazzo's daughter in the screen. Oh my God, universe. she's Heather Matarazzo's daughter. I just made the yeah. thing. I mean, yeah. like, Lavender Menace t shirt, great shout out. Or, like, I've got one, but um, 
Because it was a historical prop in a documentary. That's why I have it. Thank you, Catherine Dwyer. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't. I don't. She's annoying. There is a bit where she kind of flirts via one-upmanship about horror movies with Hayden Panettiere, who's back. She was in Scream 4, my the first of the Scream movies that I fucking hated mm-hmm. and was like the expert on horror movies then. And she obviously supports the horror movie rule that if someone doesn't die on camera, then you have to assume that they're going to come back mm-hmm. in the future. Mm-hmm. I'm not spoiling anything about Scream 6, but I don't think you if you know that rule going in, some of the twists aren't going to land in the same way. Anyway. Okay. Who was the girl at the last bit of Scream 5 in the hospital? Are you talking about Scream 4? Oh, I'm With Emma Scream. Roberts? Emma Roberts. Yes. So okay. Emma Roberts um, played oh. Jill, who was Sydney's cousin, who okay. was doing all the killing in Scream 4 because she was so mad that Sydney got all the attention. That's right. Yeah. Okay, okay. I don't think I've seen Scream 5 then. And they do three, two, one, clear, and then Gail jumps up. You think she's dead, and she holds the paddles on Emma Roberts' head and <laughs> electric shocks her brain to death. So Ryan Murphy. It's so good. Um, actually, no, I hated it, but... <laughs> Famously, there is a, uh, I liked Jenna Ortega in this, who I haven't liked in anything ever before. No, Um, especially not in interviews. No. And Josh Segarra, who is the hunky, dumb boyfriend Lance in the other two. um, Oh, yeah. Which is a comedy I love. It's coming back soon for season three. He's in it. Okay. And they're really making the most of him being hot, but like confusingly evil looking in the face. Hmm. Um, no spoilies, but when he came on screen, I said to my friend, if he's the killer, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> Cause I truly love him so much. All right. And you're alive and well today. So well, look, if any of us was going to go see scream six, we would have done it by now. I've been bedridden for like five weeks, which is the only reason it took me this long. So you've got no excuses. If you've been waiting this long, I'm saying this to listeners. Not <laughs> oh, it hasn't just come out. I don't even know. Like I literally had to go to the cinema at the Docklands, AKA the end of the earth of Melbourne CBD, because it was the only place in like public transport radius that was still playing this fucking movie. Okay. And the Hoyts at Docklands, Jinxie. Have you ever been? I don't know where that is. Docklands is such a nightmare. It's like a concrete suburb. While I was waiting out the front of Hoyts for my friend to arrive, I was looking at, in the far distance, Costco. So the air smelled like hot dogs. All right, I'm I'm getting a picture. And then in the very front of my eyeline was the Melbourne Star, which famously was valet valet to a queen. She was grounded in 2021. She was. For those not in the know. Never to spin again. Never to spin again. Never to be shut down with no notice, trapping people inside again. (laughs) The Melbourne Star was a Ferris wheel. True Vale, R.I.P. to a legend. Um, and yeah, she, she span, she spun, span, she swing, swinged around in a circle and uh, for on and off for like 10 years. And then COVID hit and also it never worked. They had to rebuild it like three months in. It was always <laughs> shut down. Anyway, I'm going to link in the show notes an incredible thing that I pulled my phone out and reread as I looked at the Melbourne Star for the first time, which was like a eulogy that um, Toby Feely wrote in The Guardian when the Melbourne Star was announced to be closing. He described the view from the Melbourne Star as something you could achieve if you took went to the Eureka Tower and took the elevator to the 88th floor and then walked down 40 more floors. (laughs) (laughs) It's truly, truly so good. Wow. Well, I haven't been to Docklands, but I hear that there is an ice skating rink there, and I have been hankering for some ice skating. I didn't see one. All right, maybe that was Just go uh, to the Sydney My Music Bowl when Rising's on. No, I need some quiet time. Oh, okay, sorry. I need some, like, teen teen time. Sure. Mm. Okay, we'll go to Docklands then. There's, it's really quiet. There's no one there. I'll pick you up a hot dog. No one wants to go, grab me a hot dog, doll. <laughs> <laughs> How was your weekend? Well, I was doing that. Well, I was seeing those sites. 
I was also seeing some iconic Melbourne sites. I had a friend in town, a really dear friend from Sydney visiting, and it was like such a good excuse to be like, this is where I live now. Let's go to some cute spots, you know, uh, which is such a fun thing to do always. Mm-hmm. Um, Your local tour guide. Yeah. And I put together this list. She was like, where should we go for dinner? And so unprompted, I put together this massive list of like, fancy semi-fancy on a budget like healthy-ish you know like this extremely long list of like basically rating everything in Melbourne anyway she came back with a classic at the top which is a uh, cumulus so we had a dinner at cumulus I sent a friend from Sydney to cumulus two weeks ago I mean it's you know I hadn't been there for years actually as I said it's you'll have a perfect time. That was a perfect time. It yeah. was great, really great stuff. And uh, drinks at Embla beforehand, just like the Obamas. It was uh, oh, oh, a Oh, really? Time. Yeah, apparently they were there. Oh, my God. Uh, I saw Michelle I, feeding a koala on oh, Instagram. Okay. I wasn't with her. I was going to say, I wish you'd brought that up earlier. Weirdly not invited. <laughs> <laughs> you know, drinks at Napier Quarter and um, lunch at Heidi. So it was like a perfect little time. And I, I wanted to go to Heidi because there's a new Kathy Opie show. Uh, and I love Kathy Opie's work and I've been very excited about this show. And it was really cool to see like her incredible portraiture, like on mass, like all of her work on mass. I've never, mm. I've seen many, you know, many of her works, but all like in a group of like one to three at like a big show. Right. But I've never, or like, you know, modern America now or whatever, but I've never seen a survey show. Heidi is one of my favorite galleries. It's also quite small in a way. So yeah. you have to be really, you have to really pick and choose, I think, curatorially what you're going to put in the show. And I think that they tried to do a proper survey of her work. So it's like the artist through time, like the classic 90s pieces of like her with like the hood over her head and the word, uh, like the scarification of pervert in her chest. And and then like work revisiting that where she's like breastfeeding um, her son, Oliver, and you can see the scarification still there, but mm. healed. Mm. Um, so like, you know, iconic pieces, yeah. like iconic photographic works. But there was also a lot of new stuff in there that was a bit like it didn't quite gel or something. Anyway. Yeah. But it was, it's absolutely worth seeing, um, particularly if you haven't seen much of her work in person before. I didn't know this show was on until I saw your Instagram story on the weekend and I was so jealous. <laughs> well, it's, it only opened a week ago. So plenty of time, BL. Great. I really want the book. It's very expensive. Well, your birthday's coming up. Sure. That list just <laughs> keeps growing, doesn't it? Um, also, beer. I decided on the weekend uh, not to go to all my normal places, right? Mm. Not like holding the corner table at Marquee or something. Sure. Like, <laughs> this is my usual one. But um, I, we went to, my partner and I decided to like go for a walk and like end up somewhere. How cute. Um, really weekend. So cute. Went to... Uh, the Royal Oak in Fitzroy. Fab pub. I'd never been. Isn't it great? It's so good. That's the place with the onion rings that I did an also on last ah, year. Ah, great. Well, I had a just a perfect time. Yeah, it's an excellent pub. Pine mushrooms on the menu. I loved it. Yummy. Uh, and then I went to a new bar, like brand new, only mm. a month old. That is so close to where we are recording right now at your place. Oh, my God. A new local for me? For you. It's wow. called Quiet Time. Okay. And uh, it's on. Wow, I'm doxxed. <laughs> it's only a, kind of close. You'd have, probably have to get a lime scooter or something. Um, <laughs> anyway, it was really, really lovely. Um, I stopped in on a Sunday afternoon and they were playing Blossom Deary's song Sunday afternoon. And I just melted. Wowie. Uh, what is it? Cafe? Bar? Well, it's both. So it's like you can get a coffee, you can get a wine. Oh, perfect. Which is perfect. Food? Yes, there was food. Okay. I didn't have any, but it looked great. Great. Lots of like pickled vegetables. And I also went to a cathedral in Cathedral Arcade in the city for the first time. I have time been dying to go there. It looks really fun. Another like coffee slash wine bar. Yeah. 
Uh, loved it. It was good. Yeah. Yeah, had like great food, great wine, perfect ambiance. Mm, mm. I went to a new place recently and it was new to me only. It's not new to Melbourne. Actually, two. Finally went to Florian. Mm-hmm. Went early, so I didn't have to line up. Had Literally to do got it. there, I think, almost an hour before my friends I was meeting yeah. <laughs> for breakfast. Um, but turned out to be smart. And I also went to Bar Holiday in Carlton. Don't know it. Which last year, one friend was like, so excited to go to Bar Holiday tonight, blah, blah, blah. I said to another friend, oh my God, I've just heard about this cute place called Bar Holiday. They're like, my cool young friend of mine mentioned <laughs> it. We should go for a wine. He was like, I've been there. I hated it. So I truly didn't know what to think. And then before a show at the Curtain recently, it was up to me to plan where we went for dinner mm-hmm. before. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take my opportunity. I'm going to go into my saved list on Google Maps, pluck out the one that I want to go to because they do like pastas and like delicious dishes and cocktails. And look, I made a booking. They clearly didn't have my booking on any file. And so we were <laughs> shunted to like a table at the back Oof. that we look, we did get forgotten about. Mm hmm. But I had some really yummy, like, white beans and herbs on toast. But you're still recommending? Yeah. Question mark? Okay. Yes, because I think if I dropped in and just hung out the front with, like, three to five friends, that's too many, one to three friends, yep. and just had, like, a couple of spritzes or a couple of hours worth of spritzes and some nibbles, it would have been great. But, like, a sit-down dinner where you, like, kind of need mm. attentiveness, mm. not so great. Okay. I'm very resilient. I don't need to be monitored, but I just did need, you know, orders oh, to be like, taken, etc. You do not want to be forgotten. Yeah, but it was cute. Okay. Yeah. I'll try it. I'll try it. Uh, what else? I went and saw some comedy. I saw Reese Nicholson being an absolutely perfect legend, as always. It was a fantastic show. And I saw a visiting pal, Adrian Truscott, with Legato Chocolat doing a show at Malt House. I always love to see Adrian performing. Oh, yeah. She's great. She was in Wild Boar with Zoe a few years ago. Oh, then I too love to see Adrian perform. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it was just, that was delightful. Um, but you, I can't recommend it because uh, it's finished. It's finished. It's finished. Ballet to that show. Exactly. <laughs> um, oh, remember how last week we were talking about uh, not reading books by men, really? Yeah. I found one that I think we're going to have to read. I am there's so one, sorry. There's officially one guy. Okay, but I'm going to read you the uh, like log line. Yeah. The elevator pitch. Give me. Prep meets the secret history in the searing debut novel about a tragic scandal at an American prep school. Okay, Jonathan Latham. (laughs) Told in the form of a literary investigation through a distinctly millennial lens. Oh my God. I know. It's called Foster Dade Explores the Cosmos by Nash Jenkins. Anyway, I'm adding it to the list. All right. I, it's on the list based on logline alone because that title i would never fucking pull off a oh, shelf never ever no it sounds <laughs> Say it like again. foster jenkins foster dade explores the cosmos nah i don't know what he's up to <laughs> nash jenkins come on anyway i think uh, i think we'll have to give it a go all right it's on the it's on the list it's on the list in pencil i might change my mind yeah what other news i've had my period for 32 days and counting jinxie so that's shitty yeah that fucking <laughs> sucks dude yeah that's that's my that's what i've been up to fucking sucks dude who am i a member of boy dude. genius <laughs> Damn. We don't need to talk any more about that. Just, you know. What do you do when that ha- Is that the first time that's this is happened? the first time this yeah, has okay. happened. Yeah. I'm seeing a few people. Okay. You I've had like, like pills a- or iron or something? Yeah, I've had lots of... This is like an, a very ongoing issue for yes. many, many years in my life. Yes. I'm getting an iron infusion next week. I cannot wait. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like the constant uh, drudge of it. Yeah, having your period is the worst time. Yeah. Right. So when I came in today and was like, I'm good. Absence of anything bad in my life. What about you? You were like, get absolutely fucked to hell. <laughs> no. No. It's not going to drag you to hell with me. It's like, I'll come. I'll come. I promise. <laughs> it's right down by Docklands, I think. <laughs> it actually is. I saw it. <laughs> There was an article in the New York Times recently that, Jinxie, you made me aware of, and then I also heard 
our favorite culture critics on How Long Gone <laughs> discuss it as well. It's an article about an influencer leaving influencing behind and in the process charging people, what is it, $40 for a 90-minute Zoom workshop designed to guide other creators through the process of leaving influencing. This woman's name is Lee Tillman and her Instagram handle is, was, at Lee from America. It still is. I checked the other day. She's all, still from America. She's still from America. Objectively terrible handle. She got it. Uh, did you read in the article that she got it? Because there was like some guy that was called like John from Poland. And she was like, that's a good idea. Stop. Yes. Okay. Well, that tells you everything you need to know about. It's like Tom of Finland is much more exciting than John from Poland. Tom from MySpace. <laughs> Had you ever heard of this woman, followed her, had any awareness of... I absolutely had not. No. Do you know what? I only found the article because one of the hosts of How Long Gone (laughs) tweeted it. Because there's this just an amazing quote in it about... Stop. (laughs) Is this this one of yours too? I bet it's going to be. I know what it is before you even say it. (laughs) So she gets, so she leaves influencing and she gets a nine to five job and everyone at the nine to five job just can't believe that. They all want to be influencers. They want to be influencers, but they don't want to be stuck at the desk. And she's like, actually just loving it. Okay. Quote, you don't get it. Miss Tillman remembered saying, you think you're a slave, but you're not. He had it backwards. She added. When you're an influencer, then you have chains on. Like, oh, wow. Wow. For starters, I really don't think that we should be doing any uh, slavery imagery absolutely whatsoever. Unless it's singing Mary Mary, take these shackles off my feet so I can dance. A hundred percent. But if you're Lee from America, who's a 33 year old white woman. Doing handstands in your athleisure. I don't think you can do it. Madam. I just don't think you can do it. Please. This is so interesting because that quote and that idea speaks to this thing that I often find with influencers where I'm like, your job is to be on the internet. Mine objectively is not. I just choose to and don't get paid for it. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) you are on such a different internet than I am because anyone who has spent any time reading or listening or doing anything online, I guess, unless you're in like a silo of like kind of Trumpy white national shit would think that like comparing yourself to slaves, you would know that that's bad, but they're spending all their time on the internet Mm -hmm. and they're like, yeah, I've got something to say about shackles. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she's not a slave to the rhythm even, I would say. (laughs) She's no Tina Arena. (laughs) She ain't. Um, (laughs) She, she, look, the whole thing, I, I get it in a way. It's like, you know, speaking out about this thing that you have found yourself wrapped up in and like, this is how you pay the bills. And then you've actually decided it's unhealthy. And like, we should say that, that like Lee from America like took time out from her influencing job to like uh, deal with her own disordered eating and, Mm -hmm. you know, and like a lot of the influencers that are interviewed in the article or quoted in the article have left being an influencer because they've like hair is falling out from stress, et cetera. Yeah. That said, it is sort of a hard, it's like it's a hard thing to read and really feel like, massive empathy for yeah it's not the same as someone who is like marginalized in some way and like just for reference because you and I didn't know who she was I'm going to assume listeners don't either there's a paragraph that describes her that told me everything I needed to know in the late 2010s for a certain subset of millennial women Miss Tillman was wellness culture a warm-blooded mood board for outdoor voices, workout sets, coconut oil, and headstands. She'd earned north of $300,000 a year and then dropped more than 150,000 followers, her entire management team, and most of her savings to become an IRL person. And the thing is, is what she's done is something I've been really curious about for years, like following influencers slash creators slash vloggers slash whatever you they have been called over the course of the last 20 years. Digital entrepreneur is the current one. (laughs) No. It is. 
It is. I, there is one influencer in the States that I have followed on and off for many years. Cause I'm always just like, what's the deal? Yeah. And re, I just looked at her website today and she has changed it to, I'm a digital entrepreneur. I think I know the person you're talking about and I feel like when they do things other than just post photos and videos of themselves, they're like, I need a new title. Content creator doesn't cut it anymore. Well, yeah, because now I'm working on this partnership and actually I'm a consultant. Yeah. yeah. Or I like have started shilling products that I created. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like we're already getting into like the nitty gritty <laughs> of it, but we have for this podcast, we're always like catching up about really stupid gossip and like what we're buying. But in the week... But we also are planning like future episodes or like big topics to talk about or so not just like the new release films or TV shows or whatever. Like we're talking about like when we did that, like interiors special and yeah. stuff like that. Yes. So more kind of thematic episodes. And this has been on there since day dot, but neither of us have actually really wanted to get into it because... Like we have a recommendations podcast, essentially. Yeah. We want to tell people the stuff that we have bought and enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. But we're not influencers, but we both have like dabbled or had (laughs) been asked to dabble. We've been asked to influence. Let's just be real. Yeah. I have like a highlight saved on my Instagram. Maybe I'll delete it before this episode comes out because I'm nervous about people perceiving me ever. Um, good platform to talk about that on. But <laughs> I have a highlight that's like called like skin or something. And years and years ago, because I would have friends who would, they would either post something on their story being like, where do I start with skincare? And I'd be like, all right, what are you doing? What are you using? Do you have sunscreen? Do you have vitamin C? Do you have an exfoliant? Like you're good. Mm-hmm. I would like be recommending products that I had bought and tried and either liked or hated. And I was doing it one-on-one and people had questions and I was answering them one-on-one. And so I had this moment of being like, all right, I'm just going to post what I'm using and answer any questions that maybe I had to Google myself or I had to figure out or people have asked me or whatever. And I made this highlight on my Instagram stories and First of all, I was so, I did a thing like cringy millennial about it because I, I wanted to like shut down any idea that people had that I was quote unquote behaving like an influencer. Mm -hmm. I was like, Hey, here's all the goops and bloops that I put on my face, (laughs) like a slather on to be a baby, you know, because I was just like, don't think I'm being serious about Mm -hmm. this. You know, I wasn't linking. I wasn't putting hashtag not an ad because I was like, as if anyone would ever think this was an ad. But at the time I was making like pretty decent money and I had bought the Le Mer eye cream oh. and that was part of my routine. And I found out like years later that a girl I went to high school with who I do not follow on Instagram, who I have not spoken to in like 20 years, messaged my sister and was like, does Brody know how expensive that is? Like her followers are going to be like, you know, whatever, thinking that that's the amount of money you need to spend on eye cream. And I was like, no, I don't have an audience. I don't have, you know, I'm like, I'm a normal person who like, I don't know. Is this sounding cunty as I say no, this? I'm because- shocked that your high school person yes. was contacting your sister about it. Like, A, none of your fucking business. Bizarre. And B, it's not like not everyone, like you are not going like, hi, I'm. I was not saying you have to buy it. Or like even I'm recommending things that like you can easily fit within your budget. Yes. Yes. I wasn't doing the influencer thing of holding it up next to my face and being like, I love the ginkgo biloba extracts or whatever, (laughs) you know, the cringiest behavior on earth. Like and subscribe. Yeah, truly. And so I was like. No, I went to such pains to not be that type of person and you're projecting that onto me. Maybe I was projecting it onto myself a little bit too. No, I don't think so. But like, I don't want to be all like, not all influencers, but <laughs> you know, like we both know people who do influencing yeah. for money and it's often just people, often just people who have really great taste yeah. and then when they work kind of in the biz and then someone- Great taste and a good at photographing things or really good at explaining why something is good without it feeling like it's a telemarketing thing. Yeah. 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 It's like conversational about it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's still, every time there's an article about like 
influencers or de influencers or whatever. I'm like, yeah. yum, yum, yum. I can't get enough. Can't get enough. Oh yeah. That was the thing I was trying to say before when I was like vloggers, bloggers, whatever they've been called over millennia. I've always thought, what do they do after this? Like mm. I watch people on YouTube whose entire income comes from YouTube. And sometimes these people would do like, Hey guys, here's a day in my life. I get up and then I have my greens and then I go to the home gym and I do my Peloton and I'm watching it being like, this house and Peloton and groceries were all paid because of people like me just sitting here watching this and like yeah. passively consuming your life. And then they'll be like, I've got a really busy day today. We have so much content to film. I'm like, no, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to know that that's what you consider a busy day yep. is this thing that I'm watching. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I always think what happens when the platform pivots, when like we've seen a million times, I've, I've seen mm-hmm. the greatest blogging minds of my generation <laughs> driven to vertical video, you know, and a lot of people do not keep up. They could do photo, but they cannot do personality or video editing or what have you. No, it's like, well, that's the thing. It's like people complain about like Twitter being over because they found their career on Twitter or whatever. And it's like, yeah, sure. That checked out for a little while. Yeah. And it's like, all this, like same with people on Instagram Uh, but now that it's switched to like the algorithm likes reels, you know, like, and people don't want to have to make that jump, which I get, I hate doing, I like not, not that I have to for a brand, but like for my personal stuff, like I never do that. Yeah. Cause I hate, I hate watching videos on my phone, but which I know I sound like a fucking ancient person, but but I really hate watching videos with sound on my phone. Yeah. Like I can't deal with it. I know. Anyway, it's bad. Well, it's also like every time I get, uh, like the algorithm sends me some cute dog doing something and then you don't realize that you have the sound on and then it's like the dumbest fucking music ever. It's like, always like that. Always. This dog is like cuddling or something. That's what they're always doing. They're always doing. Uh, anyway, um, that's where I was going with that. But yeah, I think it's that. People also get really mad at the medium of like, Mm. oh, Twitter's over. Like, how are people going to find jobs now? And it's like, well, actually, all this stuff just keeps changing. Like, people got jobs before Twitter and they'll get jobs after Twitter. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And it's also free. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, unless you're attending one of Lee from America's classes. Can I just say, I went to her Instagram because I was like, I need to know. Yeah, I went there. I need to know what the Instagram is like. Her feed is a fucking nut. I get that she like quit the feed and whatever, but now it's just like stills from all her reels that are like, join the de-influencing course. And I was like, all right. As much as I'm like, it's so cringe when people pay too much attention to what their feed looks like. I'm like, okay, she needs to pay a little more attention. Baby, you were just profiling the New York Times. (laughs) One of the photos on her Instagram was of a woman that I recognize because I follow her on TikTok. She's always like doing very intense renovations to her rental apartment in Brooklyn. Anyway, to try to make it look like a wooden cottage. Uh, Cottage core? Love a bit of it. The caption, a little bit. She's doing a bit too much. She has a sleeping nook. It's called a bedroom. She's only got four. She's got ten bells instead of six bells. Is that? (laughs) She needs to go to the seven bells to buy her her seventh. (laughs) In the caption, though, Lee from America wrote, This woman plays a special role in my life. When she was working at Free People, she featured my smoothie bowls on their blog, which catapulted my career. No. And if that doesn't capture just how deeply Mm. dumb all of this shit is, like Mm. influencers who get like profiled for magazines, like I have started thinking of someone like Emma Chamberlain Mm -hmm. as a model. She's famous because she started making videos on YouTube. She has such a huge following on Instagram. If she posts a hat from a little eBay seller, that seller the next day will be like, I can't take on any more orders. I have too many because Emma posted my hat. You know, Mm -hmm. she has an incredible, genuine, true influence. But at this point, I'm like, you're a model. You are just a person who like goes to fashion events or a host. She's kind of like an Alexa Trump. A presenter. Sure. And I'm not being a cunt there's nothing wrong with that but at the same time when she's on the cover of a magazine she then has to be profiled in that magazine and i always just think god help the fucking writers 
who are being commissioned to profile people Mm. who essentially their fame comes from posting. Got to post. And when you don't post, then that's something to talk about. But when you do post, then people talk about your posts. It's not like it's a creative I don't know. Some people believe that it's a creative outlet. I think sometimes just like a photo of yourself and your outfit you're wearing to Coachella, Mm. it's not like you're art directing a photo shoot or you're a photographer or you're a whatever. No, but like some influencers are. Like some influencers do actually. I know that I sound really. No, no, you don't. Old and bitchy saying this. You don't. No, no, no. I'm with you. I'm just like, there are a few people who are like influencers who it's like you're creating really beautiful content for mm. this brand that probably doesn't deserve it tbh or TBH. need to pay a bit more yeah um but like whenever i dabble into the influencer world to have a look have mm-hmm. a squeeze they're always really like a lot of the just the same thing it's just the same thing and i can't really tell any of them apart yeah they're for the most part like you know there have been like women, like it's, I'm talking really only about like female influences here. I have to say, yeah. so that's all I'm really very often about. Cis straight white women, very thin also. always. Yeah. Um, and the plus size ones, that's a separate conversation altogether because there's just, endless drama and shit to talk about their juicy. As, believe as, me. I, I, I bet. Like, yeah, I didn't know. Like I, I was looking up, I was trying to find the name of this influencer that I won't name, the one who's now a digital entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. But in trying to find her, couldn't remember her name, um, <laughs> I found all these articles about micro-influencers. Yeah. I did not realise that there were tiers of oh, yeah. influencing. Yeah, this is something that, because I've worked in advertising for many years on and off, And micro-influencers is absolutely something that started coming up maybe almost 10 years ago because by that point, less than 10 years ago, because by that point people understood that you could pay for a big ad spot, you could pay for a big influencer, or you could pay many people who had more, some would argue, genuine reach Mm. and actual influence because their communities were smaller. Um, it wasn't like a Kylie Jenner who can get a million dollars for a post mm-hmm. as an influencer. It's someone who has 50 or a hundred or 200,000 followers or even less than 50, you know, but if they are making some kind of impact and this is something that Glossier did really well, they would find often, no, not often, always young women who were using their products, who were fans of the brand, who would post about it recommend it to people. Maybe they had big audiences, maybe they didn't. And they would bring them on board as kind of these, they had a really strong ambassador program. And so each of these girls would have their own page, like a partner page on the Glossier website where they could send traffic to. So their followers would go to their page, Mm. see their curated selection of products that they loved the most. Mm. And when they purchased it, obviously Glossier made a lot of money, but they also got a kickback. And so it's kind of like their affiliate program made almost personalities out of smaller digital creators. Right. Yeah. Which is really smart. Yeah. That totally makes sense. And if I had a brand or something, like I would definitely be delving into the influencer market or if I was like organizing some massive event and I really wanted, you know, like it totally makes sense. And that is how things work, but I would also be trying to focus on just people who have good, really good taste and have uh, organic followings, I suppose. Absolutely. Paid. I don't know. Like, I think I am geriatric millennial, um, but most of my tastes sort of were formed in the Gen X period because of my uh, older sister. Mm-hmm. And I think that like that plus being involved in like DIY and riot girl culture in the 90s has made me just like really adverse to branding and corporate culture. Like, you know, I hate to be on no logo. Um, very ad busters. Of very you. <laughs> ad busters of me you can just see that scratchy typewriter font. Um, but I've had so many conversations with friends younger and older about this. And it's like, but it's just like, it's so hard to keep those very lofty ideals when you can't actually make money as an artist a lot of the time without, buying into that world and also 
if you're getting paid from like the art world, it's often the money's not, not very, this money's not clean there either, you know? Yeah. It's, it's all dirty money no matter where it yeah, comes from. So it's like, are we just sort of, I don't know, BL, we recommend so much on this podcast. Are we just fools for like not getting kickbacks? <laughs> I mean, I looked into it. I'm going to be honest. I looked into affiliate links and unless you want to go to like Amazon and direct all your traffic to Amazon the same way that like, I don't know, like the cut does when they recommend Mm, 10 products. I know that pains me. Painful. Like the strategist. It's like they have such good products, but I have to Google where... Yes. Else I can get it because I'm doing Oh my God. One time they did a list that, and I've written for the strategist. I love the strategist, but it's fucked up. They once did a list that was like, um, best, best indie bookstores. And the links all went to fucking Amazon. Oh no, no. I was like, come on gals and oh. guys and days. Let's <laughs> fucking have a little critical thinky yeah. for one secky. Just to take it back to the Lee Tillman uh, New York Times article, which, of course, we'll link in the show notes. The best reaction or the funniest reaction I saw on Twitter about it. And my God, there are, this just ate up Twitter for, you know, so good. 48 hours. And then, of course, no one remembers it anymore. But uh, Caitlin Phillips, the New York based um, PR guru, cult Kim cult PR gal. It's called Dime Square. (laughs) Just say it. (laughs) She wrote, um, she only made 300 K question mark, question mark. That's just slightly north of a normal salary. Imagine getting a profile in the times because you're unemployable. LMAO. Ouch. And then of course everyone's like, Normal yep. salary. Normal salary. You're yeah. crazy. And it's like, it's Kayla yeah. Phillips. Yeah. If you, oh, I cannot recommend more an article um, also in the New York Times called Bright Lights, Big City Niche Fame about Caitlin Phillips. It's a great profile. Do you sometimes think, I mean, this is maybe one of the cuntiest things I've said in an episode full of them. Yum, sometimes yum, yum. I think about like people who do stuff and just happen to be doing it in New York get profiled in the New York times or New York mag or whatever, the local rags and become celebrities to people like us on the other side of the world. Whereas like, sometimes I think like, Hmm, if we had the, a version of that in Melbourne, who would it be? And sometimes I like to draw up those little lists in my head. I'm not mentioning them on the pod. Let's not mention them on the pod. We can discuss off mic at Cathedral Wine Bar tomorrow night. Oh, we night. can. And then we can look at their Instagram accounts absolutely full of yeah. minimal beige attire. I think the thing that Caitlin Phillips is not, maybe she's not getting at it there, but because 300000 American dollars is very far north of an average salary, but for an influencer... It sounds to me like she's not doing very good deals because you can make obscene amounts of money doing the kind of white woman wellness shit that Lee from America allegedly was doing for like 10 years. She's Mm. only 33. The fact that she's not making more than that annually was quite shocking to me. So she needs to be selling those photos of the smoothie bowls. For a little bit more. To free people's blog <laughs> for a bit more. Also, did you notice the photos of her in her apartment? She has huge, like, what, eight foot high windows. Mm-hmm. She's just got a little curtain across, like, the bottom third of them. Oh, is that what she's influencing? That's absolutely well, she does psycho influence. behavior. Yeah, that's it's- not, that's, that's odd <laughs> is what that is. Um, in the, in that New York Times article, there were other uh, like other influences that came up and there was one great one that it just made me laugh. Yeah. <clears throat> in 2021, the TikTok breakout star, Charlie D'Amelio. Charlie D'Amelio. I don't know this spiel. She's dating Travis Barker's son. Oh God. Landon. Well, anyway, Charlie said that she had quote, lost the passion for posting videos. Yeah. I know. It's funny. Like at that level, you're no, like, it's so funny. funny. So for context, Jinxie, Charlie came up at the same time as Addison Ray on TikTok. For a while, they were the two dancing girlies on TikTok that people were like, you were Addison or you were Charlie. And they were in neck and neck for the most followed oh. dancing gals on TikTok. Who's Addison is, Ray again? Addison Ray was in the He's All That. 
He's all that. The she's oh, all that the Netflix. Gender. I didn't watch that. Oh, it's fucking terrible. I like Addison Rae. She's got big titties and she wears fun clothes. <laughs> okay. And she's from the South. And she was like, I was studying sports broadcasting and then my TikTok took off. She's kind of a little bit Britney from Vanderpump Rules if she didn't work at Hooters or get her eyebrows like really arched. Okay. She's really wholesome, naturally fucking so hot. Mm-hmm. The Kid Leroy wrote a song about her. Okay. He, before he was like enormously famous. Anyway, she, some, I've read interviews with her where she talks about like how hard it was because she wasn't the beauty standard. And I'm like, no, you, honey, whoever told you that you needed to have like a sob story and it was quote unquote not being hot, fire them. You're the hottest fucking like 20 year old who's ever lived. And then she also would talk about like, yeah, I was thinking of going to back to college and then posting just really took off or like my TikTok just started really taking off. And I was like, you're hot. Please stop talking about this. Like there's a strategy mm. or that you understood that your career would just fucking skyrocket. She did the thing that like YouTubers and Vine stars mm-hmm. used to do if we're going back to like 2014, which has moved to LA. With her came her entire family. And I guess along the way her parents split up because her mum was hooking up with Young Gravy at the VMAs last year. (laughs) That was that lady who everyone was like, oh, my God, Young Gravy with Sherry Nicole. That's Addison Rae's mum. I got so off track. I thought I was talking about Dixie. No, I I love it. I love it. Because Charlie has a sister called Dixie. And they have a reality show, The D'Amelios. Okay. Anyway, she lost her passion for posting. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> the thing about following influencers online is that one, it's embarrassing, and mm. two, it's like such a solitary practice. Like it's not, it's not something that besides this podcast that we ever talk about. No, we don't talk about like. Oh, I mean, I send you a few things every so often. I'm like, this is boring. But the thing is, when you say I, the person that you send me, and obviously we're not going to mention it, I'm like, yes, I agree. It's so fucking boring, and the absolute opposite of influence. Like I would not be compelled to purchase or follow or do anything that these boring people are doing. But I understand that like what they're pursuing is just like an, an aesthetic direction, you know, like Mm. a kind of like minimal direction. But at the same time, like these are people that you're showing me who have like half a million followers. I've never fucking heard their name in my life. Oh, never. And that's such a common thing. It's like, Mm. you know, Lee from America. We'd never heard of her. She's never in the New York her. Times for quitting influencing and it's news. I know. I know. And like Amy O'Dell's newsletter, which I'm going to link in the show notes. She's amazing. She's a fashion critic. She wrote the biography of Anna Wintour in her newsletter back row recently. She profiled two influencers and detailed like how much money they truly make. I found it really interesting. Again, never fucking heard of either of them. The mm. first one vaguely familiar and she had a great perspective because she was all about like, you know, back in the day when this kind of brand would repost a photo of yours, it basically sets your entire career up forever. She kind of became like a street style it girl. Right. But then as the idea of like street style it girls became an aesthetic all of its own, everyone moves to New York or comes to New York for Fashion Week to take their own photos. They don't need to be inside at the shows. They just need to have the photo out the front mm-hmm. to share on the grid to show that hideous clothes that they were paid to wear from Amazon or something, you know? Side note, in a recent issue of Back Row, Amy O'Dell interviewed our girl Avery Truffleman. Oh. All about how prep slash Ivy fashion set the stage for the current conversation about quiet luxury. Oh, okay. Yeah. I need to read that. Very up our alleys. Very up. Uh, Yeah. I mean, like I follow a lot of people who aren't influencers, but they just, they have like massive reaches because they've just got great taste and share a lot of things and just kind of want to be helpful. Want to be helpful. Want to be helpful. (laughs) I think that's like us though. Like we kind of just want to be helpful in that way. But yeah, I like, I just kind of want to say, just clarify that like, I don't, I'm not like anti working with brands and like we both work with brands for our day jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not about that. It's just like the culture of influencing is just still so weird and mysterious and really quite funny. Oh yeah. 
It's so funny. It's so funny. It's so funny. I follow this girl on TikTok who I think is really genuinely funny and silly and smart. But recently she just like held up a stick of deodorant and started describing how much she enjoys using it and how great it is. And I was like, stop lying to me, Lexi. I know you. Okay. Mm. And this is cringe and you know it. Dead behind the eyes. I think you know it. Sure. And so that's the thing also is like the idea of like the goal of going viral or getting more followers or like reaching more people with your content. I feel like it's betrayed by the universal truth, which is that going viral or having more people in your business just means that you're reaching the worst fucking people on earth. Oh yeah. Like anytime your audience expands beyond what you can control and know, mm-hmm. it just means that you have an absolutely out of control comment section or <laughs> your content's being We're shared somewhere where people are being mean to you, yep. you know, it's like, it's not an enviable position to be in. And sure. Would I like to be Pia Baroncini? Do I want her life and her house and her husband? And I don't want a baby, but like the rest of it, I'd love, I'd love a line with revolve, I guess, question mark. But like, I don't want to have to hold up a product and talk about why it's good. This is my favorite. Yeah. No. I'm saying this. I haven't been paid to do it, but I've done it before (laughs) for a brand that I genuinely love for go-to skincare. Clearly Mm -hmm. hashtag not sponsored this segment of the podcast, but like I was asked to contribute some ideas to The Strategist, which is New York Mag's like product recommendation Mm -hmm. website. And one of them was very early days of COVID. It was just after my 30th birthday where all I had done to my face was do a go-to sheet mask and then put on some glittery like eyeshadow. It was too hot for anything else, but I looked glowy and like thought I looked great. So I pitched these sheet masks, wrote about them, researched them, reached out to the brand just to confirm some of the facts of the ingredients. And after it was published, they just sent me a bunch of the products. And I was like, sure. You know what? Sure. Yeah. A bunch of other brands who I did not give my address to also sent me a bunch of products after I wrote "Hmm," on the strategist, didn't write about them, was under no obligation to obviously. But then when GoTo Skincare asked me to like post something on my feed last year or the year before, I was so excited And I got the products for free. And even though I genuinely liked them, I was like, this caption is the hardest copywriting job of my fucking life. (laughs) Yeah. Because I have to somehow like couch the fact that like I'm doing this. This is not something I would normally do, but I'm doing it. And let's all just pretend that this is normal because they're watching, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I did a little bit of this last year for a brand partnership um who I work with in my kind of day-to-day work yeah and it was like an experience that they sent me on and you know I had to post etc and use the hashtags but it was the hashtags that killed me because everything else I was just like well this is chic you know have yeah. a lovely night but it, then I had to do the hashtags and it was the hashtags that were like, as soon as you have hashtag ad, you're like, oh God, everyone's going to think that I'm some shill or that I'm getting paid for this. Actually not. It's just kind of helping out the bigger picture of yeah. a work thing. It's a brand activation, baby. It's a brand activation, baby. but it's still, it's like, you know, every time I go to like uh, the premiere of a film or whatever, like a media screening, you see a lot of people posting straight after it, like, thank you ad, like distributor. And I'm always like, should I, is that, am I meant to, it's like, I'm here to be a critic. Yeah. That is the job of it, not to be seen at it. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just like this weird gray area. I feel like some of that behavior that you're talking about, cause I see it too. It's on one hand, it's not on one hand, but one part of it is it's people who want to behave like influencers. There's, we're so overexposed to it, you know, yes, it's that like is people it. who purchase a product open it up on camera or film themselves unboxing it or whatever on Instagram and then say, thanks at brand. It's like, no people who say thanks were gifted those Mm -hmm. you bought that, but the language of tagging a brand and saying, thank you for sending the product that I bought is so ingrained now. You're so right. And also that behavior that you see, you see people doing at movie premieres is so that they get invited to more or so they get sent more stuff. Or so it's like perpetuating the cycle of like, send me stuff, invite me to stuff. I'll go to the opening of an envelope because I 
this is what I want to do is like be seen to be going to things or have my followers think I'm getting invited or sent free things, you know? Totally. And it's also like, I'm thinking of Conrad from the bachelor (laughs) who I saw do this at don't worry, darling. And said it was a great movie. I was like, Conrad, stop lying. Stop lying. Yeah. Look, I have, you know, been on the, like run the Instagram accounts of like businesses that I have been very involved with. And I love it when people would tag them, you know, Mm, yeah, it was like, I'd be like, this is amazing. Someone's having a great time, but it would never be like a, if you come to this thing, you need to tag the thing. Yeah. And you also would have seen the effect of, you know, when someone with a big enough following tags you yeah. and then your followers blow up. And then your followers. I love it. Love yeah, of it. course. Yeah. Organic, organic. <laughs> a quick see also is the film. I mean, I'm assuming that everyone's seen Triangle of Sadness, which has one of the best influencer characters I have ever seen in any modern medium. If you haven't, please see Triangle of Sadness for Christ's sakes. But another one that came out that we saw together. I was hoping you were going here. The first film we ever saw together, BL, uh, was Ingrid Goes West from 2017. Uh, It was directed by Matt Spicer. It stars Aubrey Plaza and Elizabeth Olsen. And it's like Aubrey Plaza is completely obsessed with Elizabeth Olsen's Instagram account and is like desperately trying to Become her, basically. Oh, my God, because she reads a Lee from America-style profile about her in a magazine. Yes. Uh, Anyway, it is streaming. Uh, You can rent it online. I highly recommend Ingrid Goes West. We should probably do a poodle at some stage. I think it's on the poodle list. It's on the poodle list. Do you want to know something really uh, full circle about that? Hmm? Matt Spicer's sister, Joanna Spicer, is one of the influences I love to follow. (laughs) Wow. And she once posted using the Glossier foaming gel cleanser, whatever it's called. Milky. Milky jelly cleanser. Mm -hmm. She posted it on her face and said it looks like cum. And then she was like, lol, sponsor me, Glossier. And then they did. I think one thing that I took away from the Lee from America story, just to close us out, is that she's shifting back to blogging. She's gone back to running a newsletter, Jinxie. Mm -hmm. Back to the glory days of the internet. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just think we're pivoting to video, we're pivoting to vertical. I think we all just need to go to 360 and pivot all the way back to typing out words and being either funny or dumb or smart or stylish, well-researched, you know? Yeah. I don't want to see people sitting front row at fashion shows and posting photos about how they're like hashtag vintage vibes on the runway. No, bitch. You got to do a little Googling before you're going to post about this. All I'm saying is I want to say goodbye to the influencer. Not really, except the ones that I like following and just welcome back the blogger, the newsletter writer. I miss Google reader every single day. I RSS miss the blogs. feeds, baby. Yeah. Hashtag ad. Hashtag ad. I really wish this segment was promoted by a company right now. <laughs> Speaking of influencing, <laughs> it's time for also, also. We knew this section was coming, and yet, and, and yet. All right, what are you, what are you recommending this week, Jinxie? What product are you holding up next to your face? Oh my god! And describing its benefits. We are not getting kickbacks from any of these products. Some of them, it would be impossible to. That said, get in touch. Um, my first one is uh, a read, also. Vale to the mod queen, Mary Quant, who passed this week. Mini legend. This is a bit of a two-part. The first one is Sadie Frost made a documentary about her that premiered at the London Film Festival maybe two years ago, and it's about to hit Australian cinemas, but it is streaming elsewhere. I think it could even be on, like, BFI Player in the UK, but it's, it's just called Quant. But the real one here is the book Quant by Quant the autobiography of Mary Quant. Uh, It was originally published in 1966 and it is still in circulation. Hmm. That's what a good autobiography is. Uh, It captures like her rise in swinging London, where she's from, the expansion of the business. It's quite gossipy. It's very fun. If you love that kind of like mod London set, you will enjoy this so greatly. It's one of my all-time favourite autobiographies. I have found it in a secondhand store like 20 
five years ago and it has moved with me every single place I have moved. You got to have your quant. Got to got my quant. Before my first also, I just want to say I'm in need of a recommendation if Ooh. listeners have any or if you have any jinxy. Uh, for many years, my black eyeliner of choice was the Steeler Stay All Day Liquid Liner. It no longer stays all day. I don't know if it's something about my skin has changed, but for almost a decade, it's been my go-to. I need suggestions for something new. What eyeliner are we wearing? What liquid, specifically pen, preferably pen. I don't want a pot and a brush, you know, I've got shit to do. Give me your recommendations. I'm actively seeking them out. I've got a good hourglass one. Oh yeah? Yeah, that's all I've got for you. It's liquid? It's liquid and it's a pen. It's like brushy pen, but it's not a pot. Okay. Anyway, I'm sure our listeners will have better ones. All right. I guess I'm going to Mecca. Um, my first one is kind of related by what we were talking about at the top of the show, like dishes and restaurants we love in Melbourne. On the weekend, I had a delicious little bite that I'm recommending as a dish also. It's from the European on Spring Street, a restaurant that is always great. Uh, it's the potato and horseradish blini with whipped codro and caviar. You're thinking, Brody, I got bills to pay. I can't be going to the European and having blinis and caviar on a Saturday <laughs> at midday. Yes, you can. It's $22.50. Okay. You can eat a plate of those all to yourself. You get all the caviar like Tom Hanks and you've got mail. My next one is a watch also, but really it's like a massively niche also. Apologies. It is a TV show called The Owl Service that premiered in 1969 and it ran to 1970. It's a British folk horror TV show. Eight episodes are all about 25 minutes each. They are all on YouTube. Mm. Um, I'd only ever seen the opening credits of this before, but I saw it come up in Keela Denise's doc, Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, A History of Folk Horror, which is now streaming on Shudder, which is great if you're into... Folk horror, particularly British folk horror. I watch a show called The Children of the Stones, like every Easter. It has nothing to do with Easter. It's just a weird tradition of mine. But pagan? I, pagan, but I just, well, it's, you know, like standing stones. And I thought, branch out, babe. Branch out, do yourself a favour. Watch this other show, uh, other teen folk horror uh, show. Anyway, it stars uh, Gillian Hills. She is a 25-year-old playing a 17-year-old, which is what we like. She was in Blow Up and Clockwork Orange. She was also a yeah, yeah singer known for the song Zoopy Zoopy Zoo. Oh. Which, of course, you know, was in Mad Men. What's we that? talk about Mad Men too much. What's Mad Men? Oh, you'd love it. Prestige television. <laughs> I've got a jewelry also. They are earrings by Alex Yang. Alex is spelled A-L-I-X. Um, they're the mini Lulu hoops. I have been wearing a pair of Alex Yang earrings, like big gold hoops almost every day since I turned 33 and a bit years ago. Um, my friends bought them for me as a 30th birthday gift. They're a perfect gold hoop, but these ones I bought very recently. They're very mini and they're almost like little huggy sleepers, I guess. Um, and for me as a big earrings girl, I've just been used to taking them out every night, but these are earrings that you can sleep in, which when they arrived while I was like mid COVID rest week, I was overjoyed to wake up every morning and be like, Oh, got my little earrings in cheek. So if you're asleep while you win an Oscar and the cameras arrive in the morning, you're already fine. Exactly. That's what I always say. My last one is a listen also. It's the Marina Allen album Centrifics. It came out last year, so it's a bit of a late one for me. She sings in the band Sylvie a lot, and Sylvie was a past also also. But, yeah, look, every autumn I'm on, like, a major folk bender. I'm listening to Bridget St. John, Sybil Bayer, Judy Seal, Karen Dalton, Elise at all. But sometimes you want, like... A modern, a modern twist, you know? Anyway, I really listen to this quite a lot. I think the banger on this one is super reality. I would start there if you don't, and follow through on the proper track listing, people. God. (laughs) (laughs) My last one, look, I'm lying. I'm holding up a product next to my face and talking about why it's good. Recently, I bought the Manucurist Universal Balm. It's kind of like a lip and nail salve. And I bought it because when I'm at home, I often have my cuticle oil handy. But then when I go to work, I find that my nails get dry and my hands get dry. And so it's kind of a rose scented solid balm in a little tin, very chic, um, kind of looks like old Vaseline tins or something, but it's 
baby pink, but millennial pink. It's got coconut oil, damask rose, and wakami extracts for deep nourishment. Um, I bought it at Mecca. It smells like every classic rose product, and it's really nice. It's fast absorbing, so your nails aren't like greasy or wet feeling, oily. Chic. Chic. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. As always, please pop over to Instagram and follow us at See Also Podcast. Tell your friends if you like this episode and then head over to Apple Podcasts. So many tasks for you to do. Go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five star rating and a review. We got a new review recently, which we just simply love to see it from Fran of the Pod. Love that. Who said, I tote the Adamo tote and now use the green Korean body scrubbers. So I'm clearly all in. See also is the perfect blend of critical fluff, pop culture and random intel. Oh my God, talking about ourselves. Can't wait for your take on the Bennington podcast, which I have just started listening to. So have I. Great. Thanks as ever to Samuel Hodge for our original artwork and Harvey Sutherland for our theme song. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.